Hey, this is Zena Jones, and you are listening to the Brave AF podcast, where we talk about all things mindset, having your own back, and doing brave shit. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the Brave AF podcast. So before I hit record, I was thinking I haven't really given you guys any life update for a while. And that used to be something I did quite regularly, which just give you a little bit of a fill in. So I'm going to take maybe a minute and do that real quick for anyone who isn't interested. You just need to skip forward a couple times (laughs) and you'll get right to the handling rejection part. But for those who are interested... It was funny because my cats actually made me think about that. It is a wet day here today and you all probably know I'm a crazy cat lady. So one of my fluffy boys is asleep with his paw covering his eyes because apparently it's too bright in the office, but it's too wet to be outside. And the other one is snuggled up in the bed and he just came in and he was all soaking wet and he kind of, you know, wants you to dry him. But if you dry him, he'll also attack you. So... Yeah, <laughs> that's what's happening in our house today. But in terms of life things, some um, a couple of big things that I'm navigating at the moment that I'm going to be sharing with you all in upcoming episodes. As you all know, if you've listened to, I think it was about episode number 198 roughly, I talked about being diagnosed last year with ADHD and how so much of my life and childhood now makes so much more sense. It's been incredibly validating. So that's been a huge part of my journey recently. I've also got a second podcast now, Navigating Adult ADHD, because a lot of my listeners and a lot of the clients I've worked with also have ADHD or are neurodivergent and really resonate with that as well. So that's been going on and that's been a really exciting journey because I'm learning so much more about that work and leaning into that and how it can apply to my coaching for myself. (laughs) I do a lot of self-coaching and also with clients and how I can better help them to navigate their own ADHD and thrive with it because there can often be a lot of shame wrapped up in not being neurotypical, let's say. So that's a big thing going on, as well as navigating what I'm going to call midlife. (laughs) Now I am 30, I'm about to turn 37 in maybe a couple days after this is released actually. So I'm going to be turning 37, however I've already entered into perimenopause and hormonal changes and I'm embracing that, it's just happening. Happened a lot later in life for my mom, but nevertheless it's happening for me now and it could go on for like 10 years plus, that's fine. So I'm learning so much about that and about hormones as well. And it's beautiful because so many of the women I work with are actually in midlife. They're often a little bit older than me and going through it or have been through it. So it's helping me to better understand myself and them in the process to be able to, I guess, help even deeper on a deeper level. So that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like I've been hunkering down a little bit, Um, although it was summer. It's now coming into winter here in New Zealand. And thankfully, in about a week's time, just over a week, my partner and I are heading overseas. We're going to go to the Gold Coast for a holiday. So I'm be very excited to share a little bit of that with you all. And if you do like some of the behind the scenes snippets that I share, come and follow me on Instagram, xena.jones.coach, because I love, love, love to share travel photos and experiences and my friends they got a crazy cat lady cafe literally 100 meters down the road from where we're staying oh my god (laughs) 
I'm already in heaven and we haven't even gone yet. All right, that is enough about life for now. So let's talk about handling rejection. Now, I hear from so many of you who hold back from the life or the very things that you want out of fear of being rejected. And I get it. So whether it's you avoid dating or you avoid asking for a raise or, you know, asking for the hours that you want to work or going for the promotion or starting your own business because you're so afraid of it not going the way you want or hearing a no or experiencing some criticism or rejection and then feeling terrible. So today we're going to talk about how to handle that rejection. Because rejection is part of the process when we take risks and when we put ourselves out there. It just comes with the territory. So I went to chat GPT for the definition of rejection because that's my new favorite place to go. <laughs> Been playing with that. It's super fun. And it said rejection in its simplest form refers to the act of refusing, dismissing or declining something or someone. It is the response that occurs when a proposal, request, offer or affection is turned down or not accepted. So in the broader sense, rejection encompasses the feeling of being excluded, ignored or unwanted. And I think that last sense, definitely that last sentence definitely spoke really to me. Now, we can't talk about rejection without also addressing RSD. Now, if you have ADHD or you are uh, neurodivergent, you may already have heard of the term RSD, which stands for rejection sensitive dysphoria. If you are new to it, that's okay. I love to share with you new things. Now, it is very common for people who are neurodivergent or have ADHD to have RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria. So it's basically a term that is used to describe an intense emotional response or sensitivity to perceived rejection or criticism. Now notice how I said perceived rejection or criticism. It is commonly associated with neurodevelopmental and mental health conditions such as ADHD. So thank you to ChatGPT. I'm going to give you a little bit more background on this. Individuals with rejection sensitive dysphoria may experience overwhelming feelings of distress, anxiety or sadness when they believe they are being rejected, criticized or disapproved of by others. Now those feelings can be triggered by real events or perceived instances of rejection. And then the emotional response can often be disproportionate to the situation. And I was really happy to read that because although I've started doing a lot of um, research on all things ADHD and RSD being one of those, I think that that really spoke to an experience or so much of the experience I had throughout childhood and my teenage years prior to finding um, coaching and thought work and the things that I now, you know, am, am aware of, thankfully, and being self-aware, self for example, 
because my emotional response was often considered disproportionate to the situation to other people, right? And sometimes I could see in the way other people were reacting to the same situation that I was often deemed as being overreacting to a situation, okay? Something else that that stuck with me here, I'm going to read this out to you. Symptoms of rejection-sensitive dysphoria, RSD, can include a fear of rejection or abandonment, avoidance of situations that may lead to potential rejection, low self-esteem, hypersensitivity to social cues and interactions, and a strong desire to seek reassurance and approval from others. So if you fit into that category... Or if you either know or think that you could have ADHD, okay, I highly recommend that you subscribe to my second podcast, Navigating Adult ADHD, because that is something I've already been talking about over there. And it's going to be so, you know, so, so widely unpacked and covered in many upcoming episodes. Okay. But I did want to address it because RSD is real and it is likely Uh, quite potentially something that you may see in others or within yourself, okay? So I wanted to share this episode specifically now because I had an instance that happened this week where I got to do some self-coaching around some rejection and it was perceived rejection that I experienced and it was probably fair to say, disproportionate to the situation. (laughs) So what happened was I got sick earlier this week and you may hear that my voice is a little bit nasally. If you don't, that's even better. But what happened was I started getting unwell, I think on Tuesday evening and I ended up taking Wednesday off work. Now Thursday, so that meant I had to cancel client calls, which although it was difficult for me to do, I was okay with doing that. And I did have on Thursday morning, I had a Toastmasters meeting that I was running. So I was in charge of the meeting. I'd brought everybody together. I'd brought everything together. And I made the call Wednesday late afternoon that I was possibly not going to be well enough to do that. And I had to get up very early in the morning. So that meant finding other people to do it. And I put the call out and I didn't hear from anyone. So then I started reaching out to a couple of the people I know and one of them just flat out said, no, I've done that recently. I don't want to do it again. And I had a lot of thoughts about this. And then I started to sort of freak out because I was thinking, oh my God, like they're going to be so annoyed at me if I can't do this. I don't want to let everyone down, but now I've told them I'm sick. Like, what do I do? I can't go. And then they'll be like, but I thought you were too sick to be here. And like, Ah, what are they going to think of me? Like my brain started to spin like this. Okay. Now I got somebody to cover it for me and they were more than happy to do it. I found somebody through a different channel and it was great and it all went really, really well. However, it really gave me this opportunity to self-reflect and learn from this experience because I was starting to feel like very much like, oh my God, I'm going to get kicked out. I'm going to be rejected from these people. They're all going to hate me. And that is what makes rejection so scary and painful. It is our thoughts about it. And I just gave you a whole bunch of the thoughts I was having. 
Things like, they're going to be so annoyed with me. I don't want to let them down. They are probably going to think I just want to get out of this. What are they going to say about me? What if I tell them I can't come? What if they tell me I can't come anymore and they want to kick me out of the club? Right? Now, (laughs) when you're hearing some of these, you're probably like, come on. (laughs) It's a little far-fetched, don't you think? But that's the trouble is that so often we don't look at the thoughts that we're having that are causing us to experience rejection or perceive rejection ahead of time. Now, remembering what we think determines how we feel. So when we take the time to actually find the thoughts that are causing our rejection or our anticipation of rejection, we will often find that some of them, or in my case, many of them, are a little bit far-fetched. And that's great news. Because when you do that and you can see that, then you can release your grip on them. It helps to alleviate some of the intensity of the emotion. So for me, when I did that, I did that thought work on, I want to say Wednesday evening, and I was like in the thick of it. And it took me five minutes to look at my thoughts, to get them out of my head and onto paper and to kind of question them and be like, you know what? I think a lot of this is not very real, although some of it possibly will be, and we're going to explore that. Now, some of the thoughts can seem true when you're in it. They can seem very realistic and hard to let go of. So let's take, for example, they are going to be annoyed with me. Okay, that was a thought. Let's say it's true. They are going to be annoyed with me. With me. What am I making it mean about me if they are annoyed? And what here's why this is really important, right? Is as humans, we are meaning making machines. We make meaning out of everything in our life. And that meaning that we create and attach something is directly tied to our emotions. Okay, so back to that question I just asked, I was making it mean they weren't like me and I'm not good enough. Now, For so many people who are sensitive to rejection, that can be at the core of it. Feeling unworthy, not good enough, and like everyone secretly dislikes you. That is is sometimes at the center. And so much of my childhood and my teenage years was spent feeling that way, for sure. Right? And no matter how true it can feel, it is powerful work to question that line of thinking, to question the meaning that you are attaching to this interaction or this potential interaction. Okay, so I hadn't had anyone say anything to me or do anything. My brain was just making all of these assumptions of potential interactions and assigning all of this meaning to it. So as I said, when I did my thought work, when I looked at what my brain was thinking, I knew it wasn't true, right? I knew, you know what? I'm good enough no matter what anyone else says or thinks about me. They don't determine my worth. And if I, if they decide that they don't like me, 
that doesn't mean I'm a bad, shitty person. And it also doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. I'm simply not everyone's flavor of choice. And that's okay, because not everyone is my flavor of choice either. Now, my friend, the same is true for you. Other people's opinions do not determine your worth. Their validation doesn't mean you are a good enough human, right? You are not a bad person because someone is annoyed with you or doesn't like you, right? If somebody criticizes you or rejects you, that has nothing to do with your worth as a human being, okay? There is nothing wrong with you because somebody else rejects you. I have a friend who doesn't like peaches. And she told me she doesn't like them because the furriness on their skin, that little fuzzy kind of bit, freaks her out. Now, <laughs> I think she's crazy. I love her. I love this friend. And I'm like, you crazy. Because like peaches are like one of the best fruits. You ask me, I love peaches. But she's like, Mm-mm, no, they freak me out. I don't like them. Now, there is nothing wrong with the peach because she doesn't like the peach. There is this beautiful quote from Dita Von Tees, and it says, you can be the ripest, juiciest peach in the world and there will always be someone who doesn't like peaches. That doesn't make you a lesser peach. And I think for someone who has, you know, ADHD or, you know, is sensitive to rejection, RSD or any other difference or challenge that you may be living with, it is just like being a peach amongst a sea of apples. There ain't nothing wrong with that peach. Rejection is part of the price that we pay for a meaningful life. I've been thinking about this recently that you know discomfort I've said I've said this to you often if you've listened to the podcast discomfort is the price we pay for a meaningful life and rejection is simply part of that price. If you want to find someone to share your life with, if you want to make more money, start a business, make some new friends, basically achieve any goal, then you can't bypass rejection. But you can get really, really good at diffusing the intensity of it and looking at the meaning that you are attaching to it. So we can't talk about rejection without talking about dating because many of you no doubt have heard my dating story. I'm not going to rehash it here, but I was terrified. I was terrified of rejection. And I coached a client through this actually not that long ago. I've coached a few clients on dating. So you've probably heard a few stories. <laughs> but one recently I was aware she was ghosted and it was ghosted by somebody who she hadn't yet met, but somebody that she would, had struck up a really good conversation with. They had been talking on the phone. They'd been messaging back and forward and they had arranged a time and a place to meet. And he didn't show. And she just never heard from him again. And for her, that was really, really hard and really uncomfortable. And she made it mean he didn't like her and she's not good enough and no one's ever going to love her. And 
you know, like she went into thinking like, what if he was there and he saw me and he just didn't like what he saw and he left. Like she has no idea. But when she was attaching all of those thoughts to it, he didn't like me. He might have seen me and just left because he didn't like what he saw. I'm never going to meet anyone. I'm not good enough. You can see how that creates so much pain and so much suffering. And when you don't look at those thoughts and question them, that pain and suffering can stay with you for a very long time. And so what we did is we looked at those thoughts and we questioned them, right? Is it true that he didn't like you? Maybe, but all the evidence that we have actually says he did like you. Is it possible that something else happened? Yes. What are some of the options? Is it possible that he doesn't like you? Yes. Okay. What do we want to do with that? What if he doesn't like you? What does that mean about you? Does he determine your worth or do you? Right? Another thing I found really helpful in preparing for this podcast was thinking about where you might already be experiencing rejection in your life. So for me, I get rejected pretty regularly when it comes to, you know, making offers and having people say no. So I make an offer to work with me and somebody will say no. And that happens pretty frequently, especially if you are in a service-based business, if you work in sales or anything like that. I remember when I worked in a fashion company, I would say to someone, okay, do you want to buy this one? And they'd be like, no, I'm just, I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to get anything today. I was like, okay, cool. No worries. Like I didn't make it personal or about me. And sometimes when we attach our worth to the sale, to, you know, the business, which Don't get me wrong, I've done this before. I attached so much of my self-worth to my business for the longest time. But when we can remove that, it's not personal. It doesn't mean anything about us. Thoughts I often have when somebody says no to me are, that is not a great fit. They'll come back if if they change their mind or when they're ready, right? That's their loss, right? And then I just, I don't spend any more time thinking about it because I'm thinking about the next person who's going to come in and be a great fit, Right. So I was also thinking about like if it's if it's hard for you to see an area where you could already be experiencing rejection or have experienced rejection, think about it from from the perspective of somebody else, you know, okay, and think about the thoughts that they have. Maybe at work, like I said, if you're in sales, you would experience it often. But even if like you're a lawyer and you lose a case. Think about the way that someone else might think 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 about that's just getting confusing but consider like the thoughts that somebody else might have when they experience rejection because so much of the pain of rejection comes when we've tied our self-worth to it so for example like when my cat like dismisses me this happens to me all the time like my cat will just dismiss me and go to my partner I'm like you little asshole right but I don't make it mean he doesn't love me I don't make it really, really personal. Like we'll joke about it, but I still know that it's nothing to do with my self-worth as a human. And I think that that's where this can get very tricky is like when we, you know, attach our self-worth and our validation, our good enoughness into it, that's when it can be even more painful. Okay. Okay. 
So what do you want to make rejection mean? If you're experiencing rejection in dating, in starting your own business, in growing your business, in trying something new, in going after that promotion, in asking for what you want, maybe it's hours or you know the days that you want to work, in putting yourself out there and making new friends, what do you want to make the rejection mean? Here are some of my favorite thoughts. Every no gets me closer to a better yes. I'm brave as fuck for showing up. That was one I leaned on a lot when I was dating. Like I am brave AF for doing this because this shit's hard and I'm doing it. And another one was like, I'm going after my dreams. Another one I had... Um, And I've actually got a screenshot of when I was sitting in the car at the beach waiting to meet my partner for our very first beach walk. I took a screenshot of myself to remember the moment because I was terrified. And I posted it to Instagram and I said, I am the 1%. And for me, that just meant like I'd heard the quote, like it's only 1% of people who will do the hard things to live the life that they really truly want to live. I don't know if that quote's true. I don't think it is, but it it resonated with me at the time, right? So like I am the 1% or I am whatever works for you, the top 10% of it basically means of people willing to do hard shit to get what they want. That's what it meant to me in that moment. And it it was like acknowledging the hard in it and the willingness to show up anyway, even in the face of potential rejection and failure. Like I am the 1%. Another thought I love when it comes to rejection is this is hard and I can do hard things. And one I heard the other day that I really enjoyed was rejection is redirection. Right. Rejection is simply saying, hey, this isn't the one. This isn't the right way. Go that way. It's just redirection. And another one that somebody offered me, which I liked, I added it to my little list, is this is what it feels like to build resilience. Feels like us, but so worth it. (laughs) Okay. So one thing I definitely want us to cover is how we can so often tie our self-worth and our validation of our sense of self into, you know, it can get tied up and messy with rejection. So being able to strengthen your own sense of self-worth, of self-acceptance, being grounded in knowing who you are, regardless of someone else's thoughts or opinions about you, that is like the first line of defense when it comes to handling rejection. Who are you regardless of someone else's opinions or actions towards you? What values do you live by regardless of whether or not somebody else agrees with them or supports them? Focus on internal validation and self-acceptance. Not only is that like an incredible foundation from which to live our lives regardless But also when you know who you are and you're like sure of it at your core, doing something that is likely to encounter rejection is not going to shake you quite as badly. Makes sense? (laughs) I've got a good visual in my mind. Hope you've got my visual too. 
So I want to give you three steps for handling rejection. We've covered a little bit of this, but not all of it. So three steps for handling rejection. Number one, identify the thoughts causing you to feel rejection or potential rejection. Identify the thoughts, okay? Once you have the thoughts, number two is let your emotions be valid, okay? You're ex- what you're experiencing is true and real. You're experiencing rejection. Maybe you're feeling criticized or like a failure. There's no doubt a few different layers here, okay? Let your emotions be valid, but question those thoughts. Question them. Poke holes in them. Think about what other people might be thinking, what questions they might ask you. Think about the questions I might ask you if you were to show me the thoughts that were happening. And number three is focus on self-soothing. I feel like this needs a whole podcast in itself. (laughs) But what I mean by that is when we get into some of these big intense emotions like rejection or perhaps, you know, feeling like a failure and and being criticized, it can be very much, uh, what's the word I want? It It can send us into fight or flight. It can feel very life or death, very intense. Okay. And I know for me, I did start to get into that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response that did start to happen. So to be able to self-soothe and regulate what's happening in your body, what happens when you're able to do that is you're able to regain control of your prefrontal cortex. Okay, and that's the part of your brain that's like the more logical decision making part of your brain. Okay. Whereas when we get into fight or flight, we're very much working with our primal brain, which is the part of our brain that's very animalistic and is all about just protect us no matter what, right? We're in danger. I need to be protected. So when I say self-soothe, that is things like um, if you're into any mindfulness practices, that would be a great time to do that. I use tapping, EFT tapping, there is an app and you can get a free version of it and it's very helpful and it just helps you basically to get out of your head where the mind is racing and the thoughts are racing and more into your body, okay? Another one is breathing techniques. So whether it's box breathing or I prefer to do the one where I inhale for three and I exhale for five and I'm counting it and I breathe out through the mouth. So the point is to exhale for longer than you're inhaling. So breathe out longer than you breathe in. And it helps to slow down your, your, the racingness in your body, right? The fight or flight and regain control slowly. So you're ultimately like soothing a baby, right? If you imagine like a baby that's just got a fright and you're just soothing it. We're doing that for ourselves. Another one I'm really big on is touch because I'm very sensitive to touch. So I will get two fingers and I will just get it on my forearm where there's a real sensitive patch of skin and I will just focus on tracing circles and paying really close attention to the sensations and what I'm feeling and experiencing as those fingers touch my skin. As I'm doing that, I'm getting out of my head and into my body and my breathing begins to slow and I start to work my way out of that fight or flight response. So when you're able to self-soothe and come out of that fight or flight response, it's much easier to gain control or regain control of, as I said, your prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain that can go, hang on a minute, okay, what do I want to make this mean? 
let's have a have another look at questioning you know the thoughts here what else do I know is true how do I need to validate myself in this moment what does it look like to have my own back right now what is the most loving thing I can do for me right those are all things that we regain access to when we can spend some time self-soothing ourselves, getting out of that fight or flight response and we can begin to take the intensity out of the emotion and diffuse it okay all right my friends now one last thing I wanted to say is you know if you have a business you've been wanting to start and you're avoiding it because you're afraid of you know being judged or experiencing rejection and maybe it's dating and you're you know avoiding dating because you're afraid of being rejected and and you know all of the emotions that could go along with that of it not working out whatever it is that you are afraid of and avoiding when you come and work with me you are going to work through that discomfort and we are going to overcome it together you will build self-trust you will master what it means to have your own back and in the process you will completely transform your life all right my friends if that's for you come and visit my website xenojones.com and book a consultation huge love have a magical week i'll see you soon hey If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, then you are going to love being coached by me. We are going to solve your specific challenges and set you up with the mindset tools that you need to have your own back and do brave shit in your life. Just head over to my website, xenajones.com to sign up.